A key segment of the Connect keynote this week announcing that Meta's avatars would eventually feature legs was produced with animations created from motion capture, the company said. <laughs> so they couldn't actually do legs in VR, so they motion captured them to demo what it's going to be like <laughs> when they can do legs in VR. Wow. This is what I call a MVP thinking, you know? It's like, we don't need a whole person. We just need half. <laughs> it's like, yeah. we're just going to... How do you do that, <laughs> though? Like... <laughs> It's like the old saying, fake legs till you make legs. Yeah, you know? fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah, literally. Gives me a lot of They got faith. dragged when they had like the horrible avatars mm -hmm. come out a few months ago or whatever. And then how do you just go up and say like this whole thing that we pivoted to? Yeah, we faked it. <laughs> how do you do that? It wasn't their best moment, was it? This episode is brought to you by Sentry. Build better software faster, diagnose, fix, and optimize the performance of your code. More than a million developers in 68,000 organizations already use Sentry, and that includes us. Here's the easiest way to try Sentry. Head to sentry.io slash demo slash sandbox. That is a fully functional version of Sentry that you can poke at. And best of all, our listeners get the team plan for free for three months. Head to Sentry.io and use the code PARTYTIME when you sign up. Again, Sentry.io and use the code PARTYTIME. This is JS Party, your weekly celebration of JavaScript and the web. We record live each and every Thursday. Subscribe now at youtube.com slash changelog to be notified of when we go live. Thanks to our partners at Fastly for delivering all of our shows super fast to wherever you listen. Check them out at fastly.com. And to fly.io, ship your app servers and database close to your users. No ops required. Learn more at fly.io. Okay, hey, it's party time, y'all. What's this? The start of the show? Yes, we've managed to successfully start the show. I'm Jared, your internet friend, and I'm joined by a few of my regular panelist friends. Nick Nisi is here. What's up, man? Hoi hoi. How's it going? It's going great. Friday afternoon. Again, off schedule for us, but turned out pretty well last time, I thought. So we'll try it again and we'll see if we can do a JS party on a Friday. Amel's also here. A quarter tank Amel Friday. today. Yes, it's Rebecca. What's Murphy Amel? It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get. No, it's not. Actually, I'm. No, Rebecca Black. That's Rebecca Black. Black Murphy. I don't even know where I got. It. See, it's half tank or quarter tank Amel. Yeah, no, I've had a, a good but long week and I'm very TGIF right now. So. Right. Well, happy to have you here with us. And also rounding out our cast, Amelia is here as well. What's up? Hey, hey. Excited for this Friday episode. <laughs> We're going to do it segment style. If you're a regular listener, you know we have some recurring segments that we enjoy participating in. Today, we're doing Story of the Week, the world-renowned and award-worthy headlines segment. <laughs> it's not award-winning, but it is award-worthy. That's what they're saying. That's what they're saying out there on the street. I heard it said just a few moments ago. And we're playing pro tip time, if we have time for some pro tips. So we will start the show with story of the week. It's time to take a peek. It's time for the story of the week. Story of the week, of course, is our opportunity to talk about some of the goings on around the JavaScript and web dev community, and then, you know, maybe argue if we want about which one's more important, better, or which one of us is smarter or better looking. So I will start, because why not, right? Yeah. Because you're the best looking. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Rim shot on that one. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Oh, there we go. There we go. I've been waiting for that. The soundboard is in full effect today. I know. I've been waiting so, for that. Okay. That's like I'm about to announce my story of the week. The future of the web is on the edge. 
of extinction. Just kidding. That's it. That's the story of the week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Googleification. No, just kidding. Actually, that really ties very nicely into my story of the week. But anyways, let's continue with yours. So on the edge. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me explain this one first. So this is a post on Dino.com. So disclaimer alert, they may have vested interest in making this be true as they are one of these edge providers, but it's a post by Andy Zhang. I'll go ahead and just guess the pronunciation of your last name there, Andy, all about his thoughts on this trend that we are seeing towards moving more and more of our compute and maybe eventually our storage to edge nodes. The CDN is no longer for static. It's now for dynamic. And this is a transition that he's watching, he's being a part of, and he wants to see more of. There are some problems, there are some things to get over, but his post goes into the details of why things are headed in this direction. They may take a look at this or have opinions on whether or not Andy's on track here. Are we actually moving the future of the web to the edge, or is this kind of one of those trends that's going to come and go? What are your thoughts? serve users? Does it serve developers? Is it just here to serve a few vendors who have these vested interests? Anybody, literally anybody can talk. <laughs> My favorite thing about this is that I don't have to think about it, <laughs> right? Like you have all these systems where as a web developer, I can just act as if they didn't exist. And then the user experience is better. Right. Yeah. I, I dig that. And that's like a useful thing, right? Because it allows us to like really focus our energy into the areas and kind of domain influence that we have, right, as web developers. But I would say for me specifically, this is very exciting because I think it's a huge win for users. And I think Fly.io is another very interesting company that our very own Divya works at. She's a platform engineer there. But Fly.io has like taken that concept of a CDN and said, hey, like, your processing of data and like compute on the server should also be localized and like near your users, not just your static resources, right? So that's exciting. And I think this kind of shift towards having compute boxes closer to the users is really reflective of like what the internet should have always been. Mm -hmm. It just kind of sucks that things kind of started in the Valley and the West coast of the United States and the East coast of the United States. And it's just kind of stayed there for a while. And now we're, we're moving on up and out right. in the words of the Jeffersons. Right. So hopefully this is a good thing. I hope. So let me throw a little bit of a devil's advocate take on this. So at this time, at least, I mean, Amelia said it's something she doesn't have to necessarily think about. And these things kind of, you can either ignore it and maybe your stuff will deploy there, but maybe it won't, or it's going to happen kind of at a, a lower level. It seems like today it does require re-architecting a lot of existing things if you're going to take them there. I mean, if we talk about serverless functions, it's not like I can just take my monolith and just say now it's edge compute. And so there's a whole lot of code, a whole lot of apps, a whole lot of companies that are out there on the web today that probably never will or not with the current code base do that. And so until it can be completely seamless, you know, take my existing Django or my Rails or my Fastify, Happy, whatever my framework of choices app that exists and is like serving users, until I can actually just take that thing and just ship it around the world are we actually all going to go there or is it just going to be like toy projects, new startups, et cetera? Is it going to be the critical mass that makes it to the edge or not? What do you think, Nick? That's kind of what I was thinking. Like, I don't have a ton of experience with serverless and all of this, but it'd be great if I didn't have to think about it ever. And it just, <laughs> yeah, it's the best thing to happen. It just happens. Right. Right now today, you do have to think about it. You do have to plan for it. It's getting easier. I think the fact that containers and cloud native technologies are allowing things like fly is not really serverless disclaimer fly is a sponsor of ours not why we're that's not why we're talking about them yeah fly is not really serverless they have some serverless stuff it's just cool new technology yeah exactly but like they are like it's like vms or it's like container it's like a runtime that you can run an entire web app inside of but some of these things are just like streamlined slimmed down functions and they have these like functional 
architectures that require you to like constantly be thinking about does this run in Cloudflare workers or will it work on Lambda, et cetera. So maybe we're just kind of like at the beginning of it where we're, it's going to happen underneath us and that will be grand. Maybe not. Yeah. That's my hope for sure is I never have to think about it. And then it slowly just works. And I think also the other devil's advocate is like, this is still enabling web developers to create like uh, more and more code that you have to send to users, which I feel very enabled and I enjoy doing that. But I try not to read articles like this that make me feel like it's an okay thing to do. All right. Well, at least you're moving it less distance to them, right? So if you're already going to have code shipped into the browser and you're going to at least ship that code around the world to be close to your users, that's, I think, an unmitigated win. If that then encourages you to increase that amount of code, I don't know, I feel like that's more on you than on it, but maybe (laughs) it's not. Maybe there's a unvirtual cycle there. Good point. That's one of the things Andy did in this post is he talked about the performance of running compute around the world at CDN edge nodes. And he set up a test between Heroku and Dino Deploy. Of course, that's their offering at Dino.com. But there are others as well. And showed just like the time to first byte at these different locations around the world based on a single app server from Heroku in one place and then against these edges. And I mean, no surprise here, it was faster because it's just geographically located near the end user, right? Which is cool. So we will link that post up for y'all to read if you find it so interesting. But let's move on to the next story. Let's kick it over to Amel. What you got? Yeah, this one's a really hot topic. And coincidentally, I was having a conversation with some friends last night about this topic of like monetization on the internet and how we really need to figure out a way to do this cleanly through standards because we cannot leave our content creators in the hands of companies like Google that are just very, they have a very different specific set of incentives, right? So this story It's from Brave. It's from the Brave browser team. For those of you who are like, Brave the browser, let me just give you a quick summary. So Brave is a browser that's been around for a few years now. It's been my primary browser on my personal machine, on my phone. It means some of my experiences on the web are not great as a result of it because Brave is intentionally like very privacy focused and they aggressively block trackers and all that jazz. One of the founders of Brave is um, Brendan Eich, who's like the person who also created JavaScript, ECMAScript, right? And love Brendan, hate Brendan, doesn't matter. Like, I'm just stating he's one of the people involved with this project. He's been a little controversial in our community lately. And Brendan, you know, I think I was excited about this project. I still am. But there's a crypto element to this, which I have just always ignored and have not like, right, but there is something called the BAT, BAT, basic attention token. And so the idea is, you know, your attention is time and like we can potentially show you ads in a private way and you can earn and get BAT credits and whatever else. I don't really do anything with that personally, so I can't speak to that. But I mean, for me, it's just the best browser in terms of like limiting your tracking footprint. And so what Brave came out with is this a bit like they're letting you now, hey, just through the browser, opt out of those annoying cookie banners, right? The like, which see, which are getting like infinitely more complex, right? <laughs> right, because it just went from agree, accept or not accept to now it's like accept or See the options that will bring, will bring, yeah, will bring a confusing menu that's We have six kinds of cookies. Yeah. You know? Weird language, you know? I mean, it's not the greatest stuff. So they've kind of launched this ability for us to just have one setting in our browser and they will try to their the best of their abilities to block all of the cookies. And one of the interesting things that they pointed out in this article is that those cookie consent tracking, what the consent form things, ironically actually track users, even though like their whole goal was to not track. So it's just, even if you hit like 
deny, sometimes you you're still getting tracked. Like you're you're trusting that they're doing what they say that they're supposed right, to be doing. Right, because you've interacted with the consent banner itself, and so they're using that to track you. And there are a lot of extensions that go through, and they'll they'll click that for you, like it's like a browser extension. Right. Which is a nice user experience, but it's not saving you from that privacy tracking moment. Exactly. That's exactly right. And so what Brave is able to do, because they they are building this into the browser and it's not a third-party extension or whatever else, they're just leveraging the block you origin. They're like going deep a layer down to not only like hide and disable like the banners, any scrolling, limited scrolling or anything to do with that. But they are also making sure that the, the, the cookies trackers themselves are not tracking you, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yes. Before I say more, I'm waiting to hear like cheers and excitement from all of you. So you all are very like <laughs> mellow about this news. Sorry, that goes on for like 45 seconds. Yeah, it does. So yeah, what do you think, Amelia and Nick? Is this enough yeah. to make you want to use Brave? <laughs> Nick is nodding no. Yeah, he is. Nick, you can go. It's an audio podcast, Nick. It's worth noting Brave is Chromium. It's a Chromium wrapper. That's why. That's why? That's why, yeah, pretty much. Why is that a deal breaker for you? Just because of the homogeny or what do you call it? Yeah. I'm standing my ground and I, I have a Chromium browser installed for apps like this, like Riverside that we're using to record this podcast. That requires it. Yep. Yeah. But otherwise it's completely closed. The one I use is Vivaldi, but I'm not a fan of Chromium browsers in general. Yeah. Amelia? I'm not so uh, moral in my stance against uh, browsers. (laughs) (laughs) I wish I were. (laughs) So you're just a Chrome user is my guess. I am. Yeah. I keep trying to switch, but it's like, you you know, you've been using it for so long. Yeah. Chrome feels like baby gap. (laughs) What's that mean? I don't know what baby gap feels like. (laughs) What's that mean? mean? It's like gap. It's like, oh, everyone, it's like it gap, like everyone can walk in all body shapes, sizes, whatever. Like you can walk out with something. And so gap is like lowest common denominator for many Americans in terms of like, okay, some people could, but also it's baby gap because it's like non-controversial and cute, but also just kind of like problematic. (laughs) Why is baby gap problematic? I don't understand. Baby gaps are just kind of... I don't know. All right. Quarter tank, Amel. Quarter tank <laughs> analogy over there. Quarter tank, right. yes. Fair enough. So, Amelia, curious, what hooks does Chrome have in you that when you try to switch off to it, you're like, eh, I want Chrome back? I, I think a lot of it is things mostly work. So when I'm making websites, I can at least pretend that it, it works. <laughs> yeah. So Stockholm Syndrome is what you're saying. Got it. Except in Firefox. Yeah. 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 Works best in Chrome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I haven't had Chrome on this new machine at all. Uh, I do have Brave on it. It's not my primary driver. I'm a Safari guy. I love mm. Safari's shared tabs between phone and computer. I use it all the time. I can't live without it. Is it weird that I didn't know that? But that's only because I've had an iPhone for like six months. It's amazing. You open it on your phone and then you go back to your desk and then you click on it and it's open on your desk and you're like, this is amazing. I, you know, I think I've noticed that on my iPad. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that feature. So that integration for me is what keeps me there. But I use Brave for Riverside and I use Brave for like software development stuff because I like, you get the Chrome dev tools built in. So the dev tools are awesome. They're way better than the ones that are in Safari, in my opinion. And you know what? I've I've tried Firefox over the years. And for me, it's just like baby gap. You don't know. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's just ugly every time I open it. It just feels ugly. And I feel bad saying that. But Firefox, you're just kind of ugly to me. And I can't use you because of that. And I'm sure I could theme you and make you pretty. But ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, I think my problem with Baby Gap is more that it's just like promotes consumerism in children or something like that. You know? But that's like a deeper problem. Right? I love that she's still defending her analogy. My kids are not excited to go to Baby Gap. Let it go. Let it go. Yeah, I'm letting it go. It's fine. <laughs> What's really cool about what Brave is is putting out there is that like They're building this into the browser, giving users an option that's like trustable and safe, right? You're not, there's no creepy extension that's like 
that you're adding. But they also kind of point out that Google is taking some very aggressive steps to push forward some new standards, which would make all of this type of stuff difficult, right? So Google has been kind of waging this war, which is why, you know, they've been losing some market share, not enough, but they've been doing a lot of stuff that's not very good for user privacy, right? We'll put lots of links in our show notes. I think this should be its own discussion, but basically there's a proposal that they have called Web Bundles, And Web Bundles has this manifest v3, and that would remove a lot of the capabilities that protect user privacy that would enable this type of thing. So it's going back to that problem where like, hey, Google's incentive for how they make money and like their market share for Chrome with Chrome and their ability to influence standards, right? Like we're getting into murky territory here and there's not enough people I think left on the Chrome team that I know of anyway, that are really like fighting this issue as hard as it should be fought. Right. Because really what's been going on at Google for many years is like, there's people inside actively fighting for user privacy and trying their hardest to like push back on the business. Right. And so the idea is like how, you know, the web was built to be open. We need to keep it that way. And so this is kind of actually really raising a lot of interesting active points of contention within the standards community and the privacy community. Um, I agree. I think next point is valid with regard to rendering engine diversity and Brave's lack of that is that you're still Chromium. And so you're still kind of, you're still doing that to the rest of the web by using it. You're not giving the diversity that you get with a Firefox or even with a Safari or with a Vivaldi or with Lynx, L-Y-N-X, which is a command line renderer, which is still (laughs) out there. But that's a different problem. We have time for one more story. Okay. One more story. One more story. And it's going to be, who feels the most passion for theirs? Nick, Amelia, who's really passionate? I know neither one of you probably are by the way you wrote about them in the doc. Who wants to do theirs? We'll do one of yours. Go ahead, Amelia. Nick, you're... Oh, I'm... Neither one of them want to do. (laughs) Okay, okay. They're both going to defer. Okay, Amelia, we'll do yours. Okay, so mine isn't news. But it's a happening. So yesterday, I think Linear, which is some task tracking app, their marketing website got DDoSed. And so they shared a Figma file, which was their design doc for their rewrite of the of the marketing site. And I just thought it was really interesting. Like you could see everyone's cursors in there. There were like hundreds of people poking around in a Figma file. And they had had like a whole Q&A. Apparently Figma also has spaces. So like... They were giving tours of like, this is how we designed it. So I think some of the really interesting things there are like for our marketing site, how much are you getting that's not just like the static designs, right? As long as you can read the text and see the pretty pictures, that's pretty much all you need. And then I think they ended up like way in the positive, right? Like they got way more attention than they would have if they hadn't had their website go down. So but that was cool. That is super cool. That's hilarious and ingenious. Yes. Great marketing. I'm like, I want to be a fly in the wall on that room mm-hmm. when that decision was being made. Like, yeah, because <laughs> I would have just gone on the table and I would have been like, brilliant. Like, right. Because really as a startup, you don't want to be wasting time. Like any time you spend on anything before you can get it in front of users and get feedback is like, that's precious time. So cut mm-hmm. the middleman out. Like. Do you even really need a real website? Let's just have this be a PDF. Let's just put the PDF on the whole page. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And this was great marketing for Linear because I hadn't heard of it. Totally. Yep. Literally right before this, I was telling, I was admitting to my team how Jira illiterate I am. And uh, (laughs) this looks so much nicer. That's a better way to build products according to themselves. It's awesome. Yeah. Great job, (laughs) Linear team. I think it's also like, Sorry, we're probably out of time, but it's better than a PDF, right? Because like when you look at things on the web, they're like behind these glass cases and you kind of just go and look at what companies have built. But like people could go in there, they could add comments, they could talk to each other, which feels kind of like websites need to be more communal. Yeah, it almost turned into like an MMO for a little while. <laughs> yeah. <Or> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Until they closed it. Like, well, let's all collaborate on this Figma thing and talk about it and stuff. It's crazy. That's the cool stuff of the web. Amelia, you win. Best story yeah. of the week. Congratulations. For sure. Hands down. Who cares about internet privacy and, you know, <laughs> <laughs> stupid thing that's dead. Privacy's been dead for 10 years. 
Why are we even talking about this? I think I win by not playing. <laughs> That's true. Nick wins. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think we win because we stopped Nick from talking about <laughs> his beloved TypeScript. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. Good play. Yes. Yeah, we're all out of time. Do you mean that project that turned 10 years old? Oh. And that's all the time we have left for story of the week. Wait, did TypeScript kill privacy? Is there like, I said privacy's been dead for 10 years. You said TypeScript turned 10. Whoa. I mean, there's only one logical correlation I could make. Whoa. <laughs> yes. The breaking news. TypeScript, TypeScript, Types. oh my God. TypeScript, Nick is like having a fit. He's like, how dare you mispronounce my beloved TypeScript? But yes, his beloved TypeScript. Yeah, no. So TypeScript killed privacy. You heard it here first, kids. Yes. We're going to start a flame war with that one. All right. We got to stop. We'll be back. Those are your headlines. We'll be back with some head lies. See what I did there right after this. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Flaw. Run your full stack apps and your databases close to your users all over the world. No ops required. And I'm here with Brad Gessler, who is helping to build the future Rails cloud at Fly. Brad, what's got you excited about Rails on Fly? Uh, it's no secret that Rails is this really productive framework and application. We've also seen that happen. There's a bajillion different hosts that you can choose from out there that all make it really easy to deploy your Rails applications. We've had these for years. Right. There's nothing really magical about that anymore. It's just, this is what we expect. We want to type a deploy command, and this thing ends up on a server somewhere. The thing that I think that sets Fly apart from all that is it scales. It has so many scaling stories. It has, again, the table stakes stuff. Ooh, wow, you can add more memory to a machine. All those things you would expect from a hosting provider. Again, Fly, you can scale out. You're gonna have customers that live in Singapore, that live in Frankfurt. You need to get servers there. Mm. Fly lets you do that. Again, with just a few commands, you can provision all these servers in these different parts of the world. And then the real magic with one command, you can type in fly deploy and you have all these servers provisioned around the world. They just work. Mm -hmm. People hit yourcompany.com and they're hitting the Frankfurt server. And the same person in Singapore is typing in your.com and it just works and they're hitting your servers in Singapore. <laughs> so this thing scales out beautifully, which is really important, especially if you're starting to run turbo applications or turbo native applications where you need that really low latency. Your application needs to respond to these users in under 100 milliseconds. Otherwise, to them, it's not going to be instant. They're going to be waiting. It's important to be fast and Fly makes that possible. The reason I joined it is because of this kind of global magic that we're going to be shipping. And that's something that I want to bring to Rails developers all around the world. That's awesome. Thanks, Brad. So the future Rails cloud is at Fly. Global Magic is on its way. Try it free today at fly.io. Again, fly.io. Time for Head Lies, the award-worthy segment, which did have a theme song, but K-Ball laughed at it so much that I had to delete the file and never play it again. So, no jingle for Head Lies, but it is a game, and this is the first time we're going to have the game with multiple players. It's always been a one-player game. I played it against Nick, and then I played it against K-Ball. Here we have three participants, so here's how it works. I have scoured the web for various headlines. I have also fabricated some headlines. Each headline also has a description, like the first paragraph from the story. And so I will read a headline, at which point each of you will have an opportunity to guess whether it's true or false, okay? If you guess immediately right after the headline, you get two points on the table. So you can either win or lose two points. You can then opt to hear the description, the first paragraph from the story, and after that description is read, now you can guess true or false, and you get one point or lose one point. All right, so you have more opportunity to score points right after the headline, but you have less information, 
and then afterwards, less points, but more information. Each of you will guess separately. So you're playing against each other and we tally the points at the end of all of the headlines. Whoever has the most points wins. What if I just copy all my guesses to be the same as Nick's? Then you sabotage the game and it's not any fun. <laughs> oh, but like, am I going to be like in a different room when Nick is giving his results, his answers? No, each of you will go in a turn, but I'll vary the turns so that you can't just go after Nick each time. Ah, damn it. There goes my plan. <laughs> I'm glad you said your plan out loud. So now I can defend against it. It's okay. Okay. Fine. 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 All right. Are we ready? Round one of head lies. Apple's mixed reality headset to offer iris scanning for payments logging in. There's your headline. So based on that alone, you should decide whether it's a true headline or one that's fabricated. Or you can say, I'll defer till the description. Okay. So Amelia, what do you think? Yes. Yes, what? <laughs> yes, it's true? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, true, I think. Okay. So you think it's true? Yeah. Okay. You can go with that. Uh, Mel. No. Too obvious. You're going to guess false. Okay. <laughs> I will just restate. You're both wagering two points at this point. You could say, I need more information and wait for the description. Yeah, sure. All right. So Nick, what would you like to do? You want to say true, false, or do you want to wait and hear the, the description or the paragraph? I'm going to say false. If you ask Apple, they don't have a, an AR headset. You want me to read the headline again? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I only got one reading, Maybe. so I would say if he gets another reading, then I want his points if he wins. No. <laughs> <laughs> you can't just take his points. <laughs> They're not going to do... No, 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 no. A certain company couldn't even fabricate legs for a demo, okay? It's not... They're not going to be reading. Okay, so round one, the headline is Apple's mixed reality headset to offer iris scanning for payments logging in. Amelia says that's a true headline. Amel and Nick both think that is a made-up headline. And the truth of the matter is that that is a true headline. So Amelia scores two points. Yes. <laughs> And you guys both lose two points. So I guess in a sense, Amel, you did get Nick's points. Just he also got them. <laughs> oh, burn, Jared. <laughs> okay, fine. Whatever. <laughs> we can move on. All right. Here we go. Next headline. The U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs postpones rollout of an electronic health record systems developed by Oracle under a $50 billion contract until the year 2030. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Nick, we'll start with you this time. You can guess or you can wait for the, the paragraph. Hmm. I can also reread the headline if it would help. I'm going to say that that's true. It sounds just preposterous enough to be true. Okay. <laughs> Amelia, what do you think? I feel like it would take a very creative brain to come up with that. So I'm going to copy Nick and go with true. <laughs> so true? Yeah. I feel like she was fishing there. Like she wanted me to blush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was reading <laughs> like, oh, her body yes, cues. It, she's trying to, yeah. And it did. It really did. No. Okay. Amel, what do you think? Honestly, all I've been thinking about since I heard this headline is like, gee, I wonder how they're designing their database schemas because they better make sure that they have <laughs> extensible architecture so that they have like a table that has a map, you know, for um, all the different diseases because by 2030, we'll have a whole different set of different things to be worried about than we are today. So I'm like, I hope this isn't wow. like hard coded, you know, I don't know. It's Oracle. It could go either way. I'm going to say false. I think the government would be, especially this close to election time, that's a too big of an embarrassment to leak. I could give like a bunch of college students this as a hackathon challenge to build over the weekend and it probably would still be HIPAA compliant. So, But that sounds exactly like what Oracle charges for. Yeah. <laughs> Oracle can, <laughs> can build a simple HIPAA compliant app, you know, take them 10 years. Like, like we have, yeah, yes. no, that's a canceled contract. Absolutely. That's Oracle's bread and butter. Yeah. Okay. So I, I will say no. I still, I have faith in our government's ability to somewhat use our, our money a little more responsibly, but I could be wrong. Please don't prove me wrong. Please don't prove me wrong. So the headline, the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs postpones rollout of electronic health record systems developed by Oracle under a $50 billion contract until the year 2030 is not real. That is a false headline. Yes. So Nick negative two, Amelia <laughs> negative two, and Amel plus two. So you are back at zero. 
Good job picking that. Makes it negative four. So I will say it was not a creative mind. What I did was I took a real headline and I changed the values. So it's actually true in a sense, except for it's not 50 billion, it's 10 billion, and it's not 2030, it's 2023. Yeah, but still, I mean, my God, anything billion to build an app like that, my goodness. It's still $10 billion and it's still delayed until June of 2023. I thought that a 10-year delay would be just preposterous enough that you couldn't think that. But it's our government and it's Oracle, so I guess anything can be believed. Could you imagine a, announcing a 10-year delay, though? A decade. Yeah, is iOS even going to still exist? Who knows, right? It's like you're building <laughs> an iOS app for 10 years. Like It'll be like I.O. something else, you know, in 10 years. like 10-year delay in Oracle. You're going to owe a whole lot more in 10 years. This podcast brought to you by Oracle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Probably never. Okay. So after two rounds of headlines, Amelia has zero. Nick has negative four. And Amel has zero. So it's a two-way tie at the top. Oh, oh, okay. Well, you lost two in the first round, and you scored two in the second round. Oh, okay. This is shaping up to be just like all of our other games. This feels like a really (laughs) sad pointing scheme, you know? Why do we have to lose points? Can't we just not gain them? But it's fine. Uh, Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's okay. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go along, okay? I think I'm enjoying Nick being at negative four right now, so it's all good. (laughs) (laughs) It's exponential. All right, our next headline. Here we go. Heroku reverses course, plans to reintroduce free plans after facing community backlash. Now, we'll start with Amel. I will remind you, you can all wait and hear the paragraphs. Each one of these has a paragraph, but it's less points. So do you think that's true or false? Or do you want to hear the paragraph? Yeah, can I hear the headline again? The headline is Heroku reverses course. Plans to reintroduce free plans after facing community backlash. Yeah, I mean, I would say that's likely true. The only problem is I haven't been following what Heroku has been up to. So I wouldn't be surprised if like they took a dip in the market and then they're like, no more freemium, compute is expensive now. And I don't know, I'm going to just risk it and I'll say true. Okay, let's go now to Nick. I feel like I would have heard about it because I heard about them removing their free plans, even though I didn't have any reason to know about Heroku before that. (laughs) And so I'm going to say that it's false. But you did hear about the free plans being redacted, right? I did, yes. That's what I didn't hear about because I don't follow Heroku anymore. So yeah. Okay, Amelia. I agree with Nick. I feel like I would have heard. So false. False. Okay, so on Heroku reversing course, we have Amel True, Nick false, Amelia false. Nobody wants to hear the paragraph that I painstakingly typed out as I made this story up. Why don't you just read the paragraph anyway before you announce your results? Okay. And then maybe we could reassess. Can I have a bonus round if we want to change our Okay, I'm liking this. Let's change the rules as we go. Here's my paragraph. This is a good one, folks. After offering them for over a decade, Heroku announced in August that it will eliminate all of its free services starting November 28th. However... Multiple sources inside Salesforce have told TechCrunch that Heroku GM Bob Wise will soon announce a course correction that keeps free plans available for accounts under certain conditions. The details of those conditions are still unknown. Yes, yeah. I'm going to stick with my same answer. I think it's true. He already said it was false. Yeah, I made it up. Well, he said it was false? <laughs> he said it was I false. I painstakingly made this paragraph up. That sounded so believable. Thank you. My goodness. I wrote that. I was like, yep, that sounds true. Especially if it's like leaked insider information. Oh my God. It's definitely believable, which is the basis of a good lie, right? That's so good. I was like, my God, Jerry, there's no way you made up that paragraph. Thank you. Thank you. I'm so impressed. You really had me panicking because there's, it's entirely possible that I would have just missed that news because I don't care. Well, especially if it was a leak from inside the company, not an official announcement. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I kind of wanted you guys to wait for the paragraph, but you went ahead and guessed and you got it right, Nick. Good job. So Amel and Nick got it right. No, no, no. I'm no, sorry. Amelia and Nick got it right. Yeah. Same, yeah. same letters. I don't follow Heroku, so I was like, I don't really. Yeah. So Mel's now at negative two. Amelia goes to two and Nick ties Amel at negative two. So we have a tight <laughs> race here with Amelia winning currently. <laughs> All right, there's two more left. Are we ready for the next round? Yeah, I'm just sad that Nick is still negative. (laughs) (laughs) 
He's used to it. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Very used to it. I don't win Jared's game. Aww, I'm sad. Okay. All right. The next headline Decentraland's reported to have only 38 daily active users in their $1.3 billion ecosystem. Is this a Web3 thing? Decentraland is a Web3 <laughs> platform, yes. Are you just trying to like troll me right now on a podcast? <laughs> okay. Who wants to go first? We'll go back to Amelia. Do you want to guess now or do you want to hear the paragraph? Oh, I have 0% confidence in any answer. I want to hear that paragraph. Okay. Amel, do you want to guess now or hear the paragraph? I want to hear the paragraph. And Nick, do you want to guess now or hear the paragraph? Can you repeat the headline? Sure. Decentralands reported to have only 38 daily active users in their $1.3 billion ecosystem. I'm going to say that's true. Okay. Before you read the paragraph. So Nick goes in true before the paragraph. Now I'll read the paragraph. What's going on in the metaverse these days, you might ask? Looking at two of the biggest companies with over $1 billion valuations, one data point suggests that users may not be returning every day. According to data aggregator DAP Radar, the Ethereum-based virtual world Decentraland has 38 active users in the past 24 hours, while competitor, the Sandbox, had 522 active users in that same time. That is your details. Now we go back to Amelia. What do you think? True or false? This is your last chance to guess. I'm going with true. That sounded true. just weird enough to be real. Okay, and Amel, what do you think? True. I mean, the only reason why I'm like hesitating is because I'm like, I wonder if you did another thing where you changed the parameter. You like variableized the headline where it's like instead of 38, it's like 100 active users. And so right. I hope you're not that mean, though. So I'm going to say it's true, hoping that you're not okay. that mean. That is exactly what I was wondering, too, if it's like, because mm -hmm. I feel like I heard something about this, but I don't know the details of numbers. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that this one is true. I did not change any numbers. That is exactly what was reported. So everybody got it right. Good job, y'all. Nice. Nick, he goes plus two, though, and you guys only go plus one. I mean, for the round. So he goes back to zero. Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, he's still at zero. I was talking about his final score. His final score is zero. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, this is just so funny. Well, you're at negative one, so... It's I'm like he sure. never played, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I love how she's laughing at you, but she's actually losing to you at this point. No, what do you mean? I'm like plus two. Oh, sorry, I added not subtracted. Hold on, let me recalculate. No. So you got negative two in the first round, and then negative two in the... Oh, no, that's Amelia. You guys' names are too close. <laughs> oh, yeah. Blame us. Mel and I were tied. Blame us, Jared. I think I should be zero, and she's negative one. That's what I have. I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, so you're losing still. I'm probably still losing, no, for sure. Yeah. Okay, that's why I was making fun of you, because you're laughing at Nick, but you're still losing. <laughs> but I, <didn't> <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was funny. <laughs> So I was right. I was right to laugh at you. Okay. Amelia <laughs> is winning though. Yeah. And she has, I had to go back to the top. The scoreboard is weird on this game. It's confusing. <laughs> she got it wrong. <laughs> then she got it right. <laughs> Amelia has one. No, I have three. Wait a second. Did I skip one? <laughs> she got it right. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> no, I think you're right. She got the first one right. Second one wrong. That puts her at zero. Okay. Third one. Right, puts her at two, yes. Ah. Fourth one, right, puts her at three. You're correct. Nick, keep score for us, will you? Trying to take my points. <laughs> <laughs> three, zero, negative one. All right, last round, last round. So if Amelia plays it conservative, she can probably walk away with this one. Hmm. Meta avatar legs demo created by motion capture, <laughs> not live VR. <laughs> and we will go... <laughs> Uh, we <laughs> sorry, we're losing it here. That quarter tank is emptied out quickly. Yeah. Uh, we'll go to ML. Okay, so Meta has legs and it's in VR. Metatar, <laughs> Meta Avatar legs demo. <laughs> Did you know about the Meta announcement with the Quest Pro and all that? 
that's what this is about. I mean, I actively don't follow any news from Meta. Okay, so here's the headline as it reads, Meta Avatar Legs Demo, quote, created by motion capture, not live VR. You might want to hear more information if you don't know what that's talking yeah, about. Yeah, sure, please, more information. All right, so now we'll go to Amelia. Do you want to guess now or do you want to hear more? That's absolutely the truth. Okay, she's going true on a two-pointer. Nick, how about yourself? Me too. I already made this joke in the Apple one, so I know it's true. I know I heard you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> okay, I'm going to cheat and say I'm going to change my mind, and I'm going to just say vote true. She's doubling back. We'll only allow it because she's in last place currently. <laughs> I'm not in last place. Yes, you are. You're at negative one. That's last. I think you should read the paragraph, though, because it's such a hilarious story. I want to hear the paragraph, yeah. A key segment of the Connect keynote this week announcing that Meta's avatars would eventually feature legs was produced with animations created from motion capture, the company said. So they couldn't actually do legs in VR, so they motion captured them to demo what it's going to be like when they can do legs in VR. Wow. This is what I call like MVP thinking, you know? It's like, we don't need a whole person. We just need half. <laughs> it's like, yeah. we're just going to... How do you do that, <laughs> though? <laughs> It's like the old saying, fake legs till you make legs. Yeah, you know? fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah, literally. Gives me a lot of They got faith. dragged when they had like the, the horrible avatars mm -hmm. come out a few weeks ago or a few months ago or whatever. And then how do you just go up and say like, you know, this whole thing that we pivoted to? Yeah, we faked it. How do you do that? It wasn't their best moment, was it? <laughs> no. The best thing though is you have to go watch the Carmack unscripted. John Carmack just, he, he just goes, well... I told you if we weren't doing this by next year, I'd be disappointed. And I'm disappointed. <laughs> That's good. Tells it like it is. Yeah. yeah. It's probably best that I stay quiet. So. <laughs> That's a good title for the show. It's probably best that I stay quiet. <laughs> After five rounds of headlines, our new champion, first time champion, it's Amelia. Yeah. Yay! We'll be right back for some pro tip time. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Vercel, the platform that enables front-end teams to do their best work. Vercel combines the best developer experience with an obsessive focus on end-user performance. And I'm here with Jared Palmer, head of open source at Vercel and the creator of Turbo Repo. Now, Jared, obviously Turbo makes things faster and Vercel is all about making the web faster, but how does that translate to a better experience for developers when building and shipping? So fast wins, fast is so important to us at Vercel. And the ROI on Turbo is pretty remarkable, both in monetary terms and in developer happiness. So let's just talk ROI and money in monetary terms here. And I'm not gonna use our calculator for this. I'll just use Gradle, which is another build system in the Java ecosystem. Using their calculator for a 75 person engineering team with around 10 minute builds. And let's just say that Turbo, they're able to effectively use Turbo to cut their build by like roughly 50 to 85% and let's use Gradle's sort of idea that around 20% of CI builds are blocking, meaning they can't, a developer can't actually work. They have to wait for the CI to finish. In tandem, both local and CI builds collectively will save that enterprise, that 75 person engineering team with let's just say an average cost per developer of like $185,000 a year, roughly a million dollars a year. And that's just on CI time alone. Now, what that doesn't account for in any way, shape or form is the fact you're going to feel about your work, your code base, what you're working on when you have a one minute build or a 30 second build or a two minute build versus a 10 minute build. In the 10 minute build situation, you're going to go get a cup of coffee, you're going to check Twitter, you're going to browse TikTok. One minute build situation, you can really stay in the flow. And so that's why it is so essential for us to invest in Turbo to make sure that we keep builds as fast as they were on day one of your project as they are currently on, let's say, like day 500. And that's where we're seeing immense adoption in the enterprise space, but also through solo developers. 
And if you go to turborepo.org, you can see uh, this wonderful list of enterprises that have adopted Turbo. And we'll be sharing some stories in the not so distant future and some case studies as well uh, on our website talking about their journey with Turbo. I love it. Fast is always better. Fast wins. Learn more at Vercel.com. Again, Vercel.com. Tip time. <laughs> the award-worthy jingle. I always think of like a dorky robot dancing whenever I hear that jingle. It's like, you know, Accurate. going yeah. up on the downbeat <laughs> and, you know, just kind of yeah. janky, uncoordinated. Anyways. Accurate. It's kind of like that Steve Buscemi, <laughs> hello, fellow kids. Not that you in particularly dance like that, Nick. I just meant that the beats, the beats remind well, me of that. But anyways. It's all accurate. <laughs> <laughs> Nick is a world-renowned karaoke artist, so I wouldn't Ooh. sleep on his skills. This what? guy can sing, so I'm guessing he can what? dance if he can sing like that. Dude, no way. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Can we get a demo? Yeah. Can we just do a karaoke <laughs> podcast? We should. We should do a karaoke segment. Oh, I'm busy Whoa. that day. <laughs> no, you're definitely showing up. Thank you, Amelia. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to pitch it to the bosses upstairs. I, when I went to Jess Nation and React Summit in Amsterdam. I ruined my voice doing Kiss by Prince. Oh, nice. It was epic and amazing, and I loved it. It was the first time doing karaoke, like, since the pandemic started. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So fun. Well, I'm looking for a setup, so I'm going to hit you up for a recommendation because I'm, I'm thinking I want to start having karaoke parties. It's like winter's coming. You know, I need some indoor fun activities to do with my husband and friends. So what's your go to song, Amel? Oh, my God. There's so I, many. I have two myself. Fiona Apple Criminal and like oh, wow. Landslide, Fleetwood Mac, Landslide. Wow. Yeah. I do have a nice singing voice. Like when I actually try, I sing jokingly on this mm -hmm. podcast, but like I do like singing. And then another one is, what's its face? Enrique Iglesias, Hero. That's like my sob. I can be your hero. You know, wow. it's a very adorable song. You I'm here for it. Amelia, what are your go-tos? my breath away. I'll just choose whatever shortest. Whatever shortest. <laughs> Tequila. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good karaoke song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Vanilla Ice's Ice Ice Baby, and mm -hmm. oh. I can. I'm also pretty decent at Love Shack, you know. <laughs> nice. I need nice. somebody to be with me because you know I'll play the male part, but I need the I can't do the high pitched yeah. Love Shack Baby part. I can do the low pitched Love Shack Baby part. Anyways, way off topic. <laughs> <laughs> New segment: Karaoke song choices. <laughs> What's your favorite karaoke song? Yeah. <laughs> TGIF. That's pretty much what we're playing right now. Okay. Pro tip time. Amel, <laughs> what's your pro tips? <laughs> Why'd you pick me first? Okay. Uh, my pro tip is actually going to be on process. It's not going to be like a tool or anything. Something I've really started to do in my life that has kind of really helped transform my day as well as just... My energy levels, right? Lead a very busy life and busy job. And it is keeping a daily journal, right? So what did I, what did I do? What do I want to do? What are some blockers? I have a little rotunda is what I call it as well. I have another file that's just like ideas. Cause if I don't write it down, it occupies mental space. And if I write it down, I can, free my mind you know and the rest will follow and the rest will follow exactly on vogue sing it nick yeah sing it nick exactly <laughs> no i wear I some type music i don't even know i wear type music anyways back to the pro tip <laughs> so daily journal is a really great way for me to decompress and detach from work i just kind of really block out like time at the end of my day to just like get my thoughts down and it's just really helpful. Then I can pick up the next day and just start off where I left off and I don't have to think about it, right? Like, and then I've started to do a little bit of, I haven't done a good job of this yet and I want to try to get better at it, but set like high level goals. Like, okay, what are three things I absolutely have to get done today? And then at the beginning of the week, what are three things I absolutely want to get done this week? So by the end of this mm -hmm. week, I want to do X. And by the end of this day, I want to do X. 
that helps me prioritize because I have a very big appetite for problems and doing things. And I think it helps me. I need to do a daily prioritization exercise because I'm going to always want to do it all, right? Here's a question about you about your journal. I feel like I would have one and never read it, but probably the benefit is really in just writing it down. Agreed. No, 70% of the benefit is writing it down. And then like, there's a huge benefit for me, just like, what did I do? Where do I pick up? You know? Share the deets though. What's your gear? What's your setup? Do you use an app? Yeah, Markdown file. And I just do Obsidian. check boxes. Yeah, <laughs> Markdown file. That's like, get controlled. I rarely push up and commit though. Yeah. But yeah, like, yeah. Why is that? Do you have a fear of commitment? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't. It's really just like, it's just, I'm too busy and I'm in a lot of meetings. So fair enough. I don't have like a daily commit rule for this, even though I should. So, yeah, you could automate it. Mm -hmm. Dude, I gave this tip to one of my direct reports and he set up a whole automation with Mac OS. I think just gets published automatically. It doesn't, you know, I'm like, I need to steal his setup, but I have not done that yet. And I should. All right. Good pro tip. Journal it down. That way, when you start tomorrow, you know what you were up to yesterday. Get it going again. Nick, what you got? Okay. So I don't have a lot of pro tips and I'm pretty sure that I have said this one before, but I'm going to pick it again if I have, because I actually wrote down, I actually blogged for the first time in like two years. So pro tip that you can actually like go further. What brought this about? Yeah, exactly. We should do a whole show on your blog posts. Just break it down. Please don't. One whole hour. (laughs) Just breaking, eviscerating me on my writing. No, it's about using Git work trees and my Git work tree flow and why I love working with Git work trees. It's changed my life and it's just so good. I do also go to, into some downsides, so I try and be well-rounded about it, but oh, Git work trees, if you've ever had to do more than one thing at once, which I constantly have to do, Git work trees. Yeah, taking that Git knowledge to the next level is like the best thing that you can do for your like mental happiness and productivity as a developer. Like... Yeah, agreed. Give us like a quick TLDR, Nick, on work trees. Like, what do they do for you? Yeah, so they, all it does is like when you clone a repository, you're cloning it into, it creates a working directory for you to like work on your code and do all of that. Well, what I do is I clone a bare repository, which is like how GitHub clones or has the repos out there. They're basically like the Git object database without a working directory. And then I shoehorn it to make that be like a home for me to put a bunch of working directories. So then I can have one that's called main and that's like my main checkout. So I always have like a clean state that I can check things from. And then I have one called review and that's where I like check out PR reviews to, you know, actually run the code and do my due diligence on, on PRs. And then I just make one for each feature branch that I'm working on. And then I can be like, you know, working on something and they're like, Oh, there's a, we need to do a hot fix. Just create a new work tree real quick. Do the hot fix in there. Don't even have to like, close my other editor. I just like leave it open. Don't have to stash anything. I don't have to commit like a work in progress commit. Still do those all the time, but that's okay. That's a different story. And then I can just like switch over there and switch back. It's fantastic. Very cool. We'll link up your post so that people can check it out in more detail. All right. We're running short on time. I will give a quick pro tip and then we will call it a show. Maybe the best show ever made. I'm not sure yet. It's the greatest (laughs) I thought you were going to keep going. I was just, no, I was going to, I was giving you space. I couldn't remember the song. It's like that disco song. He's the greatest dancer, you know? So I was trying to do that. But then there's no companion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that one too. That's another good one. Yeah. That's a different song, but on the same wavelength. I'm telling you, we need a new music segment for JS party. We need to make this happen. Jared. I'm in. You're about to pitch it to the higher ups. <laughs> Nick is gonna be in, and we'll find out. He has like a, a costume. He's like a karaoke shirt, got a karaoke Everybody mic does. with sprinkle like sparkles on the it. Green screen, the smoke machine. Yeah, yeah. He may even have like a separate stage name that we don't know about. Yeah, he, you know? he won't respond to the name Nick because he has a karaoke name. Yeah, they call me Richard Nisi. Oh. Yes, I'm not Nick. I'm Nicolas. Uh, my. Pro tip, real quick, is get a pie hole. Shut your pie hole and get a pie hole. You know? What is a pie hole? <laughs> glad you asked, Amel. I'm glad you asked. Pie hole is an open source, network-wide ad blocker. 
that you can run on your LAN. Oh, oh that pinehole, yes. <laughs> no, no, no. It's a piece of software that gets its name from the Raspberry Pi, although you don't have to run it on a Raspberry Pi. You can run it on anything that runs a Linux OS. And you set it up as your local DNS server, and it blocks ads and trackers at the DNS level for your entire network instead of having to do it on a browser-by-browser -browser basis or inside of your Brave browser as an extension or whatever other way. You just network-wide, block the ads. You can also do other kind of content filtering. You can tweak the dog do out of it. You can do whatever you want. It's really cool. It has a web UI. It's completely free, completely open source. I set it up just the other day on our local network, and it's fun. They got charts and stuff, seeing how much stuff you've blocked. Feels good. Like, get out of here, ads and trackers. You can't even be on my network, man. So, pie hole, get one, set one up, worth it. <sighs> okay, question, is this the greatest show ever made? Let us know in the comments or tweet at us. Is this the worst <laughs> episode of JS Party you've ever listened to? Not the worst. Certainly not. Keep it to yourself, you know? Yeah. You don't want to hear that. <laughs> no negative feedback. <laughs> yeah. Only good. We have lots of cool shows coming down the pipeline. Tons of great guests, tons of good ideas. So stay tuned. If you haven't subscribed yet, please do subscribe. If you have and you enjoy it, share it with your friends. We always appreciate that. But that's our show for this week. On behalf of Nick, Amelia, and Amel, thanks for partying with us. I'm Jared, and this has been JS Party. have yet another bonus for changelog plus plus members on this episode eight crazy minutes of pre-show where we're talking gas prices the geopolitics of time zones prompt engineering and a bunch more if you don't have access to the changelog plus plus feed fix that bug by joining today you can directly support our work make the ads disappear and find out what happens when nick types butkowski into stable diffusion Learn more at changelog.com slash plus plus. Thanks once again to our partners, Fastly and Fly.io. They help make JS Party possible. And to our beat freaking residents, Breakmaster Cylinder. We appreciate you. Next up on the pod, Nick and Amelia welcome authors Martin Dowden and Michael Giron to the show. Their new book is called Tiny CSS Projects, and we'll learn all about it next week. <laughs>